0: own meditation this morning on um, the baptism of the Lord. As most of you know, in the uh, traditional Latin mass calendar, today is the octave of the epiphany, also known as the baptism of the Lord. And today's gospel is from John chapter one. And today's gonna be a little bit sloppy because I'm just going to read you directly from my Greek Bible or just kind of translate as I go. But there's going to be some really cool Greek words in the middle of that. So if you grab your Bible, whether you're listening live on YouTube or you want to listen to this a little bit later, I'm going to um, give you a couple of the really interesting words that come to us from the words of St. John the Beloved, but also directly from St. John the Baptist, since he is the key player in today's baptism of the Lord. So if you have your Bible open to John chapter 1, verse 29 to 34. And again, this is also going to be, this is the traditional Latin mass gospel for today. Um, So again, we're in John chapter one, verse 29 through 34. Even if you don't have your Bible, I'm just going to show you a couple um, neat words here. So we start in 29. I'm just going to translate from the Greek kind of as I go. So it's gonna be a little choppy, a little sloppy along the way. But once we get to some very interesting Greek words, I think this will make it worth your while to listen to this rather extemporaneous podcast slash video on the gospel from the baptism of the Lord. So um, verse 29 says, uh, the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, behold the lamb of God. Okay, so that word amnos, amnos there is lamb. And I think there's a lot of people who think lamb means just gentle. This is the gentle one of God. But what John meant is a bloody slaughter. Um, For a Jew to call someone a lamb is essentially to say this is one who will die this is going to be uh he's essentially calling him the person of isaiah 53 the lamb who would go silent to the slaughter uh, and not open his mouth and then the very next words tell us why um uh which is the taking it's a participle is sins to cosmo to cosmo for the taking away of the sins of the world the word in um, Greek there for the world is kosmo, which is the genitive of cosmos. So if we transliterated it, that would be quite a, um, quite a visual. The Lamb of God, again, the one who's going to be slaughtered in a bloody way and not open his mouth for the taking away the sins of the world. But literally, the sins of the cosmos. if we transliterated, not translated. Ten hamartiam to kosmo. That's verse 29. Okay, John 1, 30. It says, um, this is he um, of whom I said, so it's almost like John the Baptist is just de- is describing what Jesus, what he has already said about Jesus before. He says, after me comes a man who before me existed. The Latin has facta, but we're going to see how the Greek is even more Trinitarian than the Latin. After me comes one who existed before me or was made before me. But it's really interesting because the Greek there is gegonen, Gagonian means generated or begotten. See, the Latin doesn't exactly, and I, I'm about to offer mass behind me in Latin, so I'm not ripping on the Latin here, but the Latin says uh fact or factum, which is like created, and Jesus had a, a created human soul, but the Greek actually captures the Trinitarian in a in a very interesting way because John the Baptist is saying, Jesus is he who um was begotten. This is what we say in the creed, begotten, not made. Because God the Son was not created by God, the father, but he was generated, it's actually the same word in Greek. So there's something very Trinitarian about what John is saying right here. After me comes the man who was begotten before me. That's something that happens in eternity, not in time. And it says, because protos mu because he was before me. And the word protos, that should remind you of the word um, first. He was the first. He was. He existed before all of time is essentially what he's saying. And then verse 31, kago uk eren auten. This is very interesting. This is one of those lines we just read over constantly and we, we miss what's happening. He says, and I did not know him, but for the manifestation to Israel for this, I, John the Baptist, came baptizing in the water. Isn't that interesting? So even though, um, John is essentially a cousin of Jesus. There's something he doesn't recognize in him or didn't know him, he said. But he already knew his mission. His mission was to be baptizing in the water. Why? For the faneroth to Israel, so that Jesus himself might be manifested to Israel. Now, this is really interesting for the traditional Latin mass Catholics out there because the word manifested to Israel, again, John the Baptist came baptizing, even though he didn't know him, so that Jesus could be manifested to Israel. This is This is his point. This is why... John is there, but the word there is fanerothe, it's manifestation, but it, this is also the same root, root word that we have for epiphany. So you see that F-A-N in there? So what's the what's the crossover here? Well, this is why in the pre-1955 missiles, this was called the octave of the epiphany. The word epiphany is almost there in today's gospel. So the very baptism of the Lord is the manifestation of Jesus to Israel. This is one reason why the baptism of the Lord is the continuation of the epiphany. You see how the old school calendar was just watertight and how everything worked out? Even when we look at the Greek, the old school uh, calendar is just absolutely perfect. Okay, so again, this is John the Baptist in the waters looking at Jesus coming to him, but it's really a treatise on the Trinity, how, how Christ is the second person in the Trinity if you really look closely at this. Um, and then John says in verse 32, and um, or rather, this is speaking, John is writing of John, John the Beloved is writing of John, he says, and John witnessed and said, I saw the spirit coming out as coming down as a dove from the heavens, and it remained on him. This is what John is describing that he's seeing. But that word amenen, is very interesting, remaining on him. We also sometimes tra- translate that as abide. P- people love that verb, and I do too, abide in me but that word amenin some people say this could actually be also translated as to alight um you ever you ever heard that word maybe bird lovers know that term to alight to uh when a bird alights or has a lit on something it's basically fluttering there but this isn't just a sweet word about fluttering in fact scripture scholars if a jew were reading this he might even think back to genesis how right at the creation of the world the spirit was hovering over the waters of the earth, the spirit was the Holy Spirit was a, a lit, a, a lighting, kind of fluttering, but it's it's not just a delicate term, um, fluttering or lighting over the waters of of uh, of creation. So there's something again very Trinitarian here that the Holy Spirit descends upon Christ and alights on his shoulder, alights on his head as a dove. But that's not again that's not just like kind of sweet bird talk. This should remind you of the of the Holy Spirit alighting over the waters in Genesis chapter one. And then uh, we have verse 33. And I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize in the waters, he knew him. Now, who is Hopemsas? That's also, that's a participle. He who sent me or he who sends me. I would propose that's God the father. Why is John the Baptist referring to God the father? Well, I think that John the beloved is showing us that the entire Trinity is involved here because God, the Holy Spirit descends as what he sees as a dove. And then obviously God, the son is Jesus coming into the waters. This word in Greek kind of implies there's a third person sending them. I can't prove that to you, but it seems to be a, a different person. Um, even though there's only one God, we know there's three persons in one God. And so hope is the one sending me. Um, and so the one sending me, I would propose is God, the father. So you have all three persons of the Trinity involved here. God, the father is sending John the Baptist into the waters. God, the Holy ghost is descending alighting upon the head of Jesus as a dove. And then it is the incarnate word, the eternal word, the second person of the Trinity, who is walking to John right now. So we have the manifestation of the entire Trinity. That's what epiphany means is manifestation. This is why the baptism of the Lord completes and perfects uh, the epiphany. Again, this is the this is in the old calendar. This is not just the baptism of the Lord. It's also called the octave of the epiphany, the completion of the epiphany, the completion of the manifestation of the Lord. And in today's gospel, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And then, um, so he says, uh, and I did not know him, but he who sends me, hopemses me baptize, and that's the infinitive, is to baptize in the waters, and hudate, this one knew him, is that's the one, and he says, and then the next words are very complex in Greek, but it's it's basically um, upon him who the Spirit descends and remains in him. This is he baptizing in the Holy Spirit. Well, there we have the, the the participle, menon, for that word, to alight or to abide. Him upon whom the Holy Spirit is abiding or alighting. This is he who will be baptizing in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? And then last verse we're going to look at today kago heroka, and I saw and I witnessed this is now listen to the word witness. this is John the this is John the Baptist describing what he's actually doing in the waters and his relation to Jesus. He says memortur meca memar that's that's the cognate for our word uh, martyr. So he's martyrizing. He's witnessing that this is the and then the next the last three words is ho eklektos to Theo, the chosen of God or more likely, ho theo," the son of God. The Vulgate, um, St. Jerome translated huiostutheo to Philistiae, uh, so we're going to go with son of God. So this is John the Baptist witnessing to the point of martyrdom, which is kind of prophetic since he's going to die as a martyr to Christ, um, that this is the son of God. Ho theo," is the last three uh, words that we have right there. So what we have is, um, just to recap and then I'll close this up, what we have today is the full manifestation of the Trinity, the completion of the octave of Epiphany, and the words show it to us, uh, especially in the Greek. He who takes away the sins of the whole cosmos. My favorite, I think, today though, is that word "gegōnēn." That that John the Baptist recognizes Christ came before him, not made, but "gegōnēn," which is begotten, generated of the Father before all of time. Is that word "gegōnēn"? Because he was protos. Christ was first. That's what protos means, is first. And then this is, why did why did John the Baptist come? It wasn't for John the Baptist's sake. It was so Jesus could be revealed to Isra- Israel, which is manifestation. Also same root, root, root word is epiphany there. And then last thing is the amenin, to abide or to alight upon. The Holy Spirit is alighted upon the waters in the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit is a lit upon the head of Christ. And who's the one who sent John the Baptist? It's God the Father. So we have the entire Trinity in today's gospel. God bless you.